Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Celtic State of Mind. My name is Laura Bradburn and I am joined. It's just me and thee today, Brian. Just the two of us. That's I don't it. know. We can make deal. it if we try. Gruesome, um, gruesome. Whatever <laughs> sort of Laurel and Hardy, any sort of Jack Factor, any sort of combination. Also, also known as the two that couldn't get to Madrid this week, I think is is the, the top and bottom of it. But true, true. Uh, nevertheless. Nice way to, to spend a Friday with all you lovely viewers and listeners. Um, get your comments in. We definitely need your help rather than try to go around four people like we were last week. That was a bit of a, a change up for the books. But we've never been short of a word, have we, Brian? No, no. It's, it's not an accusation that's ever been levelled at me that I, <laughs> I don't talk enough. Um, I'm, I'm sure... Told the opposite, get told to shut I'm, it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure... I'm sure we'll manage to fill an hour talking about Celtic. We always do. How correct we are or how, how informed we are about any of those things that we say, it remains to be seen, but uh, we'll talk nonetheless. Um, plenty to discuss. Um, you were just talking about before we came on air that the AGM is happening as we speak, so uh, we won't be able to keep up to date with that while we are entertaining all the lovely folks in the comments, but if you've got any particular gems um, and you want to comment and we'll bring them up, um, and keep everybody informed while they're watching us. That would be very, very helpful. Um, plenty to talk about, like I said, between now and the, the shutdown for the World Cup. Only three matches left until that happens, which is mental. 
But before we look ahead, we have to look back. It's been pulled apart ad nauseum, but as always on a Friday, we still like to have our we our say. What was your take on, on the, the week's events, Brian? Uh, and by that, I mean the game at the Bernabeu. So it's, it's so strange. Um, if I say to you right now, we played really well, never took our chances and get beat. What game am I describing? Any, every single one, it's the same. You know, it's it's almost the same thing. Um, but the reality is, it's that's kind of how it's been, and it's the it's the weirdest feeling. So I went into the the this local supporters club. Shout out for the Swindon Shamrocks, um, <laughs> and it was a, it was still, it was still a really good atmosphere. Everybody was enjoying it. Obviously, there were shouts when the goals were going in, but there was also acknowledgement of how well we were playing. And then we showed a scored, we're all up to it, it was good. And then you sort of go, how do you feel about the campaign? And it's like, well, we never won again, so on paper, it's it's bad. However, the performances were class, and mm. at times we really did look the part. You know, and, it, and it's the same old story, if Kyogo takes his chance, if Juranovic scores a penalty, Jota scores at the end anyway, that could have been three. So 5-3 three still, he still considers five goals. Mm. One was a shady penalty. Um you know the the first the first goal penalty was a stonewaller. Big Yens is is I think he's been unlucky to be fair because the ball bounces such a weird direction. Yeah, but it is a hand ball, right? Second I... one's never a penalty in a million year. No, you can I'll, you can watch it a thousand times. It's never a penalty. Um, well, that, well, this is something I wanted to ask you because it was a, a point I raised in the in the post match coverage uh, during the week is. I sometimes wonder if we're experiencing like a an unintended consequence of VAR that actually we're having to scrutinise the rules of the game a lot more because, you know, things are getting stopped and replayed and replayed. I don't know if you asked anybody in the comments, if you asked us, if you asked anybody in the Axon group chat to define exactly what the handball is right now that they would be able to do it. No, but this is, this is the problem with, with, with VAR is... It's still reliant on somebody else's opinion. It's everything's always subjective. Now, mm. what what I've noticed with VAR is, and we'll talk about VAR in Scotland as well, because that's a separate issue, because that's a whole different can of worms, right? <laughs> that's, that's that's bizarre world. But, we got a penalty. We got a penalty. <laughs> we got a penalty. Right? That was a bit of a miracle in itself. But um, and, and it always seems that as soon as they check the screen, they reverse the decision. So you mm. almost always know what's going to happen. But with something like that handball, so in my understanding, and obviously not being a ref, thankfully, but it has to go hand to ball, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to be blocking it. And it has to be a, like, so it's not a goal scoring chance, right? Because it's gone wide anyway. He yeah. looks like pulling back. As he's pulling back, he can't pull back and keep your arms like that. Yeah. Because that's insanity. It defies all the physics. So as he's pulling back, it hits his arm. That can't uh-huh. be a penalty. Like, in any common sense, but has his arm physically touched the ball? Yes. So, so it's how do you define that? And I think a, a common sense approach would be good. But the fact that, that it went to VAR and you think, surely not. And as soon as I saw going over the referee, I thought that's actually it. Um, nice to see a female referee right enough in a Champions League game. I thought that was that kind of, that was good to see. Uh, I, think yeah. it seems, I think it's the first time I've seen it. Um, but I know there's been four officials, so that was a really good step in the right direction. True uh, quality is really disliking hot. the ref, no matter what their gender is. <laughs> aye, aye. <laughs> she, she, she was still rotten, but just congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of just where we are before we get back to the Madrid game, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, Scotland, so I wasn't here for the Hearts game, I, I missed it. Um, and it, I said when VR was coming in, it just gives Scottish referees two chances to get it wrong, in my mm. opinion. Yeah. And it's at what point do you, do you agree where, at what point do they have to check it? Because mm. I know in, in the game against Hearts, it was a, an offsider, I think it was a handball decision we appealed for, and they just went, no, it's no. So at what Aye, point so- do you have to check? I mean, it's because surely if you're absolutely convinced, why would you check? But they're always checking you need to check everything, right, surely? So it's a well, bit cold, you need to check it. Is it's that, inter- I don't really it's understand it's, the, 
It's interesting you mentioned that because I was actually listening to um, Jamie Carragher and uh, and Gary Neville talking. Gary Redknapp, I nearly said Gary Neville talking about that. Um, so they do obviously the co commentary for Sky Sports, and I didn't know this, but apparently they have in their ear what is being said at the central place, wherever it is in England, that the VAR is happening. So when they when they're commentating and you hear them say something like, Oh, I think that's maybe going to get given as a penalty when the referee's walking over to the to the monitor, it's because they actually know it is going to get given as a penalty. So basically right, yeah. the referee is getting fed all this information and that's why when they walk over to the monitor, usually it's to overturn a decision because they're getting fed all this stuff in their ear as they're walking over going... Basically, I, I personally, I think the, the monitor thing is a bit of a performative thing to actually allow them to give them the time to talk to them a little bit. Yeah, yeah, probably for aesthetics as well, so the, the, the sort of people can see. It's almost like, I suppose, taking that, that debate over it, but it, it doesn't. Um, mm. I think as well, we'll see, so slightly defend VAR as well, because I think... I think the issues are the rules themselves and interpretation of the rules as opposed to VR itself. Like I saw an offside, I can't remember what game it was, and it was like the front of his boot. Mm. So because that guy had size 12 Aye. feet and the defender had size 6 feet, he's offside. And I said, well, that, surely not. Like At some point you go to say, that is not that is not right. But if any party, if you got a big giant note, if, if Ibrahimovic is running through and goal and his nose is sticking offside, he's offside. But it's ridiculous, right? So I think as well, as much as I'm not, especially in Scotland, I'm not convinced of the referee's ability um, at all. I think it's the understanding of the rules and that lack of clarity is probably more of an issue mm. uh, in general. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the foot being offside. I've got two different size feet. So if I, if my right foot was forward, I wouldn't be offside. If my left foot was forward, I would be offside. So. <laughs> I'll need to hop on my right foot or something and that'll stay me on side or something like that. I don't know. Um but uh, so, just going back to the Madrid game, like the other thing you always need to think about is look at the quality they had in display. Mm. I mean they're they're other than the two penalties, their goals were brilliant. Like Valverde's was absolutely tremendous. He, he he's actually a player I hadn't seen an awful lot of Real Madrid in the past eighteen months, two years or whatever, and he was a player that wasn't really on my radar until these games, and I think he's been absolutely amazing. Ah, he's it was exceptional, and and that's the that's the thing as well. Sometimes you just have to say, do you know what? That's they're just an absolutely better team. Mm. Uh, we, we've battled and we, we move on from it. But I really like the reaction for the fans, sort of applauding the players, and I think that's indicative of people's feelings about the performances this season in Europe. Um, and I think people are so confident in Angie's ability and the way he sort of framed it. Because he's never made an excuse. He doesn't do it. It's not his nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, you know, this is going to take time. And he used Shaq as an example. So he said in the Champions League every year in the varying degrees of success, but they've gradually got better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They might be maybe no as good one year, be a bit better the next, but in general, they compete. He's like, but that didn't happen the first time they were ever in it. Mm. He says, we've been out it for so long, you need to get there every season and sort of progressing, progressing, progressing. I think that's right. And I think, you know, he wouldn't admit it. I don't think he would ever throw anybody under the bus, but there's obviously players there. He still, you know where you need to be or yeah. you might not get to that level. And where we kind of criticise the, um, the, the players too much, for us to move on, there will have to be changes, I reckon. And I think Ange knows that, and I think that'll go into his thinking. So it'll be a big learning experience for him as well, which I yeah. think is something he seems to thrive on. So it's hard to... You can find as many negatives as you want, but ultimately, I've never seen a European campaign where I've been so conflicted and enjoyed it so much despite the winning. So it's, it's such a strange thing to digest. Yeah. It's, it is a strange one. I, I think I'm, I'm of the same... Like, I almost forget that we only got two points out of six games because I did enjoy the games and I did enjoy the way that we played and, and the fact that we took it to people, which was good. And and that thing that you said about Ange learning from it, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a funny character at times because he obviously keeps his cards close to his chest to the point where sometimes I think he just outright lies when he answers questions because, like, he, he, somebody asked him, 
what have you learned from this this campaign? And he said, nothing I didn't already know. Now, I don't believe that for a second. I'm not saying I'm not saying he learned anything from a footballing perspective that he didn't already know, but he certainly, as you hinted at, I'm sure he learned a lot about players that he maybe thought had the ability to play at that level who maybe don't or are much further away from that level than he thought they were. Because I, for one learned that lesson about some of the players as well like so I'm sure he did um because you know he's the one that brought them into the club in the first place so it'd be interesting to see it'd be interesting to see put it this way with no European football for the rest of the season whether that accelerates the the turnover process is something we'll get onto in the strap line and a, a little bit later in the show about whether the departures will be coming uh, thick and fast or whether they will be coming in the summer but before we go into that we'll just get some comments coming up from people uh, Ryan Kelly says afternoon Friday Axon crew just the two of us but hopefully that's alright for you and I've got to say Brian you're, you're setting off the chat something awful today uh, the, the underwater cabbage salesman says ooh la la Brian entering <laughs> Glasgow's best jumper competition and Paddy Lavery says is Brian going for a job interview I no, don't know if you've been dressed going to court no I, I'll, I'll certainly lose the best jumper competition to Laura today. Laura's got a... I've a, got a flash a, jumper a, on. A flash jumper on. Now, we're not saying Laura's flashing on Axom just for our audio listeners. She's no. wearing a flash jumper on Axom. I am fully clothed. Uh, it's, it's not that type of show. <laughs> no, nobody would want to see that, believe me. Um, uh, but listen, the, 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 the Champions League chat has been done to death. We've both been involved in it. Um, I've said everything that I feel like I want to say about what we have and haven't done and where I want us to be. But I guess before we move on, just a summary from you about the about the the group stage in general. Um, do you feel like we will be better equipped going into next year to handle it better, or do you think we're still a few years away from getting to a stage where we can be that kind of, you know, regular force in the Champions League? So I think I think it was also going to take a while. I think we knew that at the start. I think we probably got a bit. I mean, I, listen, I'm the most excitable man alive. I think we won every single game. I was convinced we'd win. Uh, I said we should have Liverpool. We'd beat them. I'm glad we have them. <laughs> but, um, so I'm always excited and always have that. And I think that's part of the beauty of watching Celtic is you always there always sort of feel there's something special there. I think, and it's sort of certainly opposed to to, to last season. Um, or, uh, along with last season, it raised expectations to such an extent. So that last season, I wasn't even sure we'd have won the league. At the mm. start of the season, I thought it might be too long a journey for us to build up to that and smash that. So I've got to take that rationale to Europe and say, you know, we performed really, really well, which I think we did. And it's not a cop out to say that. It's no, you know, it's not that you're happy with just performing well and getting battered, but you look at the chances we created. I mean, if things go a different way, a wee bit of luck goes our way. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Leipzig were absolutely awful at the start of the campaign. Yeah. And then they changed minds on my brilliant. Now, if we'd have got them, it's the first game. The draw to me slightly different in terms of the fixtures. How different could that have been? If we take a couple of their chances, you don't know if we'd, wait, if, we'd <coughs> if we'd played Red Bull and then won a Shakhtar, you give me six points two games in. So all these different things could have happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why next season in Champions League, you have to account for that as well. Although we may improve, it may be the case we get a, a really, really tough draw. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fixtures don't fall away, we get injuries. Because the other thing as well is, you know, we've lost our captain and arguably yeah. our most influential player for this game. And that's going to hurt any team. Uh, mm-hmm. We also lost Shota, who's probably our, our, our best player, or certainly that player that you think could have really shown in that stage. Um, so it's, there's loads of points to make. I think we'll be better. I think, as you say, I think there's there's no way Andrew's watched that and went, yeah, we're fine. But, you know, I, I know he knows there's got to be things to improve on. And while it's no negative to see some players never quite measured up the way we wanted, I think it's positive to see that there was a lot of players that really stepped up. Yeah. And actually, we're really good. I thought Jens, generally, obviously get the handball the other night, but I think generally he's played a really good European campaign, if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. And I think, considering he didn't come with a lot of fanfare, and wasn't he, you know, a huge superstar in the game, um, I think that's really, really good. I think O'Reilly, um, generally speaking, he's been very, very good, especially playing a kind of unfamiliar role as well. Yeah. Um, we spoke about Hatati, who I always compare to Samaras, because he's either brilliant or terrible, but only one game. Um, but he's, he's, when he's good, he's so good, you can never not have him. Yeah. Um, and some of I mean, some of these range of passing in Europe is absolutely scandalous. It's brilliant. And then a five-year pass just goes astray. It's, it's such an, a weird... But again, these guys will improve as well, I think, because I think Yakimakis, Juranovic, Kyogo, and Hart aside, we're a very young side. And that's something to bear in mind as well. Yeah. Um we- we talked about that after the match actually the other night and I'll get your thoughts on it in a second um, when we talk about potential January exits, the idea of stopgap players and the fact that we do certainly have some of those in the squad and that they will probably be looking to move them on and, and get replacements but we'll get into that but you just reminded me of something that I wanted to talk about before we left the, the Real Madrid game Um <clears throat> I've been thinking about it over and over, and and on 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 the night of the match, I was I was really pleased for him, and but that reaction from Jota, it was pure joy. I know that, but it was so strange in the context of the match that he was so overjoyed at scoring that goal. What was what was your reaction to that? Well, I was I was I was doing cartwheels at the time. I was running about the pub, shouting, <laughs> "Ireland strangers!" and because obviously. You know you're you don't you're hiding, yeah. right? You're, going, you're kind of you get to that point. You're going, well, let's just get through the game now and see. And he scores that goal, and the whole place cheers. And it, and it was a weird feeling, but it was a brilliant goal. And he's a young guy that scored a free kick in the Champions League and near Madrid's ground. You kind of be excited about that, like yeah. I, don't get me wrong. When it's, I always think it's funny. Like I kind of was, there was a game recently with Celtic, and. I think we were on in three nothing, and one of the opposition players scored, and then like silenced the fans as if it's like you're still getting beat. <laughs> <laughs> you're not shutting the crowd up. Ten minutes left, you can beat three nothing. It's like I know, but there's, a, there's also a bit of me that goes, I, "If I had the chance to silence a crowd, like, I, I would do it." it. That's the point. Like, <laughs> I, 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 and if I was shot and I scored in the Champions League and the, the Bernabeu, of course you would you'd celebrate it, and and I think. It was almost there was a sort of meta quality because the theme of the the campaign has almost been we can score goals mm-hmm. despite scoring for fundamentally we've been lacking in Europe and then we miss a penalty we miss a couple of sitters but finally we score one when we're five 0 down mm-hmm. and there was something kind of I don't know I want to say funny but it, it, it was sort of indicative of the campaign so no listen I was really happy with him I understand why he celebrated that we had done the same you can't take that young guy you know can't take that away from him and. As I say, we were we were jumping about as if we'd won the game. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It was just nice to see. Yeah, there's a lot of us <clears throat> probably never thought we would see and probably never will again see Celtic score at the Bernabeu, regardless of the context of it. So that in itself was was worth it. Just an interesting point coming up from Derek Smith there watching us on YouTube. If you are watching on YouTube, don't forget to like the video and subscribe to the channel. I think we're only a little bit away from 20,000 subscribers, which is absolutely amazing. So if you can help us get there, um, some ridiculous percentage of people that watch these videos aren't subscribed to the channel. So it would be a massive help if you could subscribe and, and, and help us reach people. But Derek Smith says guaranteed place for the World Cup, perhaps a starting place in the first team. This is obviously referring to the fact Jota scored that free kick not long after finding out he was in the provisional squad for the the Portugal team uh, going to the World Cup. 
Do you think there was any element of his reaction that considered that fact? You know, the fact that we are so close to the World Cup, it's going to take wee things like that for somebody on the edge of the provisional squad to maybe push themselves into the manager's thoughts. Has he maybe thought, if I can prove myself a threat on set pieces and that kind of thing, that there's maybe that'll give me the edge over somebody else to get into that final 23-man squad? I don't know if it's been as specific as that. I would imagine it to be in his thoughts, obviously, if I can play well, you know, it might just, just edge me. And every player's going to be the same, but I suspect his priority was was probably go and see if he can... Because he seems to be one of those guys that, you know, he saw his reaction when he scored against Livingston. And they come back and he was right up at the, the fans and he just loved it. And I think he's, yeah. he's one of those guys that really got into the club. So I think it, it probably his priority would have been trying to reward the support the team have had. And I think they seem a kind of like-minded group of lads and a nice group of guys as well. So I think that would be his first priority. And obviously, huge boost for the guy getting to the Portuguese national team if he, if he starts or even comes off the bench. Because it's a very talented squad. And, mm. and I think, again, it, it, you know, taking it back to a Celtic perspective, it really shows that we can get these guys and give them a platform. So if people yeah. are looking at Jota and he you know, could potentially be a Portuguese international through playing for Celtic, but that's encouraging younger guys to come and go, right, let's let's go. Um, I mean, the World Cup itself is a, a, a different topic, but um, it would be good for me also to watch support him and make sure he does well and, and comes back safe. Yeah, the, the last time I saw a Celtic player uh, taken to the field for the Portuguese national team was was my hero, um, George Caret, who I think was in the Euro 96 squad for Portugal, but... Um, my timelines might be all wrong there, but it's just uh, it's a little bit of nostalgia that I'm quite um quite quite glad to see, and equally impressive hair as well, which is good. Um, He's here, top drawer. <laughs> it's absolutely quite the barnet. We'll put it that way. Um, we'll move on to the strapline there. Ange doesn't fear Celtic departures, but would January be too soon? Um, I think from what I remember of what Andrew was saying, he doesn't fear departures in terms of he doesn't fear the squad getting picked off by the bigger teams. And that may well be the case. Um, But as I touched on earlier, there is definitely an idea or or there's solid evidence to suggest that some of the players who are at the club just now will not be of the correct calibre to take us to the next level. Do you see Ange starting to make those changes as soon as January? Or do you think, given that we know he's quite meticulous and plans quite a lot in advance, that he will keep things as they are for January and look to make more action uh, action more changes in the summer? I suppose it depends where he sees as a priority. I think there's rumours that the, the, the Japanese guy's coming in, left centre-back, 22 apart, and that's all but done. Um, and I... I, I I imagine Johnny's a good time because of how their season works. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the reason why he's coming in. And then it could mean that somebody's leaving because unlikely. I don't think he'll just keep adding numbers to the squad. I think he want quality. Um, I think if he comes in, then, then unfortunately Stephen Welsh's days are probably numbered. You'd imagine so. You'd yeah. imagine so. I could be wrong about that. Um, and I, I like Stephen Welsh, so mm. you know, it, it'd be a, sorry if it does go, but he was linked with few Italian teams have been stiffing about in the past few transfer windows and I reckon you, you probably get decent money from them. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect, so what's interesting about this, in a normal season, I would say January probably would be too soon. But given we've not got Europe after January and given the fact it's the World Cup before, so if any guys that are playing at international do do well, yeah. their value will be highest in January. Yeah. So you've got, say, Juranovic. There was rumours of him leaving in the summer. Maybe wanted to play on for the Champions League to get into the World Cup. Yeah. Now we're out of the Champions League. By January, the World Cup will be done. Would he be going? Have he's got a high price on him? I suspect you could probably accept a, a decent offer from him because you've got Ralston. And then I, I'm sure I'm just planning to have somebody come in as either backup or to take his place. So I think there'll be a lot of planning going on. And seems to be a guy who... He's always had that brilliant attitude that I really like. Um, and I'm never sure it was just sort of being a bit, I don't know, sort of puffing your chest out, but he's always sort of said, I'm never going to try and convince players to come to Celtic or to stay at Celtic. If you're not happy at Celtic, playing at that crowd, playing at this level, I don't know what's going to make you happy. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a bit of fan service or that's how he sees it. Because I get the impression if somebody says, 
you know, I, I want to leave. I reckon they'll go. And I think he'll have a plan in his mind of this is who I'd like to come in to place him. And I also think that I don't get the impression he plays favourites either. No. So I think if, if there's a player who's been doing well, but there's a player available who's better and he thinks they're going to add more, I suspect he'll say, look, they're coming in. You either need to step up or, or go. Um, uh, so I think there's, there's a ruthless side to Ange that maybe we don't see in regard to player transfers. Um, but I think in terms of the question about January, it's certainly the case that the World Cup's going to affect that. Mm-hmm. And if there's big performers like that, you see more movement in January than you normally would. Because normally it's not a huge sort of amount of transfers in January. It's, it's a kind of funny window. Um, yeah, it's more yeah. often reserved for panic buys and covering injuries and that kind of thing. So, John Joe Kenny's the world coming in. Oof, there's a list as long as your arm if you want to go down that road, my goodness. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right about the ruthless side to Ange. I think as much as we all like him and, and, and we can all see the humour in some of the stuff that he says, there definitely is that ruthless side to him. I remember watching an interview not long after he joined where um, it was said that he apparently, I think it was a friend of his, I can't remember if it was his best man or something like that at his wedding or... But anyway, a very close friend of his who was a coach in a team that he was managing and he ended up after a few months saying, listen, it's not working, you're you're going to have to sling your hook, basically. So um, so there's definitely that cutthroat attitude there when it's necessary and I think he will show that if, if needs be. Um, I think, like, we all know the players that aren't up to scratch and the players that could be moved on, but it will just be, it will remain to be seen when that happens. I'm I trying think to it think. also depends on, on, I know you say Disney fear departures, but I think it depends on the the player himself. So, if you're using by Yakimakis, for example, I, I mm-hmm. love him, right? I think, he's, I think he's class. I love him when he plays. But he is 27. And if someone goes in with 12 to 15 million for him, you take it. Yeah. Right? And I also, he also more. doesn't, as much as I like him, he doesn't strike me as the type who would be afraid to say, no, I want to go to the bigger club. Like, I want right. to go to the Premier League or whatever. That's the case, right? So, see something that comes in. I would take that amount from because mm. I think you could re- re- replace them. Right? I think they'll be. But, like, a Matt O'Reilly or a Hitati, it's harder to replace because what they have that are other midfielders, Callum or a side, don't mm. have is a real strong athleticism, easy for me to say. Where they can they can bound about, they've got that energy, they've got that clever range of passing, they've got so much potential for their age as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a different conversation. Because if someone offers you fifteen million for Matt O'Reilly, you need to tell them where to go. Yeah. And, and also the also the, the advantage with O'Reilly and Hatati there is as much as you said about Jack Macus being twenty seven, O'Reilly and Hatati have got time on their side. You can say to them give us another year, give us another 18 months and, and you'll get your move and you'll still be young enough to have an impact wherever you go. Again, so, you, so your value is going to change. Um, so you need all the guys that are really hard to replace. And I think like O'Reilly, Hitati, McGregor certainly, although I don't see him going anywhere. Carter Vickers, they are you know, almost the bedrock of the team at the moment and the drop-off yeah. when they're playing so strong. If they go, that will have a a much bigger effect whereas you know there are some players that as much as well of them and they're good you could probably see being replaced mm. it's it's definitely going to be interesting I think um, <clears throat> I think we've talked about it on a couple of bulletins now um, just everything that you think you know about the January transfer window like you said is up in the air because of the World Cup it's almost going to feel a bit like a summer frenzy because we all know we could all name players who've built their careers or earned a massive move off the back of a good World Cup performance, regardless of whether they go on to be successful in in the rest of their careers or whatever. But um, it will just be really interesting to see how this unprecedented World Cup in the middle of a domestic season affects everything, transfers, momentum, uh, fatigue and player fitness and all that kind of stuff. It's just going, I think it's going to blow the gates wide open as far as trophies and stuff like that on a European level are concerned, it's going to be um, certainly going to be interesting to watch um, Just looking ahead before before we get to the World Cup we've got, um, we've got three fixtures left, we've got 
Dundee United at home at three o'clock tomorrow, three o'clock on a Saturday. What would you believe it? Um, then we've got Wednesday, the 9th of November at quarter to eight. We're going to Motherwell. And then Saturday, the 12th of November, uh, we've got Ross County at home. Uh, none of those teams, particularly when they come to Celtic Park, strike an awful lot of fear into me. Um, are you expecting nine out of nine as far as those three games are concerned? Or would you be happy if we managed to get two wins and a draw? What's the what's the target for you for these last, last three games before the shutdown? Uh, I think it's certainly a nine out of nine. I think we need mm-hmm. to make sure we, we're at least the, the four-point gap still. I think because um, the, the World Cup will present us with a chance to sort of rest and recuperate and get a couple of weeks training in and, and get any squad that are feeling a bit leggy or a bit, you know, kind of a few knocks. Mm. We should be entering in January, irrespective of our transfers, we had a good head of steam and, and sort of ready to go. And the, the, the three results, I think, are essential to that. I think it would be dropped any points before January. I think that put a slight damper on it. And, and I think that's something we want to avoid. Um, what will be interesting is, and again, if there is plans in place for January, it might be telling in terms of who starts every game or who comes on as subs or what some of the thoughts are about players leaving. Because mm-hmm. there is like, I was having a conversation <clears throat> in the, on the, the group chat about why maybe if you're like against the game at Livingston, where with the game in hand, we're pretty comfortable. Why for the last 10 minutes, no bring on you know, Boston Lowell or Rocco Vata or guys like that and just give them a, give them a run out. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting to see guys like that maybe get a wee appearance or if he's going to stick with his sort of tried and tested. It'll also be interesting to see if he starts playing Abelgaard. Yeah. Same thing, he's not really played him and I know he was there in a pre-season, he's been getting up to speed, but I still think as good as Riley, O'Reilly's been in the deeper role, you, what you get from him in that role, you lose going forward because there's yeah. nobody as good as him linking the play. And I um, think as good as O'Reilly is at it, from what I've seen of Abelgaard, he's certainly much a more natural fit there. So it'd be interesting if he starts. If he doesn't start starting games with no domestic concerns, mm-hmm. I would be quizzing when he's ever going to appear. Um, and if you're a player and you've been brought in to play that position and an attacking midfielder's fill in for you when you're fit, you're going to start to think... Have I got a future here with, with the gig? So that would be interesting to see. Um, Eddie Gucci, a guy that I've been fairly nonplussed about traditionally, mm. eventually see if he starts. Again, he's been on the bench a few times and no featured. Yeah. So this this idea of, well, he's not being fit, it's not fair to judge him. If he's on the squad and he's still no playing, it might be time to think about judging and maybe he could go as well. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see, and I think, if you start playing certain players dropped or players getting a wee chance, that might give you an indication of where he's thinking is for January. But then seeing that, how many times do you try and predict post the team selection? And it's almost always wrong. Listen, like, I was on the match coverage for the Livingston game saying that I thought it was the wrong choice to put Kyogo up top. It should have been Yakimakis and then Kyogo scores within nine minutes. So No, I said me and Jim said that on the on the Friday as well. And um it immediately get wins. But do you know what, Steve? See if it nasty is wrong with Celtic, but it means we win. I'm I'm pretty pretty comfortable with that, to be honest. Well, I exactly. Uh, my my pride takes second place to Celtic winning football matches. That's for sure. Um, just as an aside, before we move on to the next topic, just because you brought him up, I, I'd I'd love to get your thoughts on this, just because it's a it's a thought that's always gone through my head about players. It's happened about Mikey Johnson. It's happened about. Uh, various other players. Derek Riordan was another one. Um, injury-prone players. Where do you think the line is between yeah, he would be great for us if he was fully fit or if we could stop him getting injured and acknowledging the fact that actually maybe being injury-prone is part of his his makeup and actually you need to say, well, if that is part of his makeup, he's no any use to his kind of thing. Basically, I'm saying, what I'm saying as well is how much longer do you give a Deguchi? I, I guess the answer is how long is a piece of string, but it's just like, it's just an interesting conversation point that's always, I've always wanted to ask somebody and you're the unfortunate person that's uh, landed with a question. <laughs> no, 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 that's no problem at all. Um, so again, if you look at Deguchi as an example, 
personally speaking, I, I don't. People keep defending him, keep telling me he's great. I, I've not seen any of it, so mm. I, I don't know what he offers. I'm sure he's a lovely guy, and a good human being, and I'm sure he's a very good footballer, but I don't see what he's to the squad. So have you had him for well, a year now, isn't it? Because he came in last January. Yeah, yeah. Had him for a year now, he's played about three games. Something yeah. like that, started three or four games. So you think he's probably not going to be the answer, right? Again, happy to be wrong. If he comes on and starts playing his world day, fantastic, moving them in. In terms of injury-prone players, it, I think it depends on what they're coming in for. Mm. So, <clears throat> well, before we get to that, first of all, remember, John Hartson was labelled injury-prone. Yes. And look at care he had. So you, you can't always take it at, at face value. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it depends on the player, it depends on the injuries. Um, if someone's coming to be a starter, so say you sign somebody for a couple of million, and you mm-hmm. go, right, they're going to be a top player if they're fit, that would be a concern for me because I think, well, if they're no fit, what happens? Whereas if it's somebody who is an experienced player but has struggled with injuries, but there's someone that's going to boost the squad as opposed to be like a, a, a sort of main player or what do you call it, a marquee signing, mm-hmm. I'm sort of more all right with that. I can sit of love with it if we go, do you know what? If we get him fit, he's a great player. If we don't get him fit and it's no work to it, it's not going to be hugely detrimental to the team. So that's kind of my logic. As I say, if, you know, we're willing to send a new striker and we say, well, he's been injured for eight months of the past two seasons. Yeah. But when he's fit, he's really good. That would, be, would that, be my, that would be my concern for me if he's going to be a get out and out striker for the season. But if fit, fit Lee Griffiths gets you 40 goals a season. <laughs> aye. Um, but if he comes in, he's just, it's cover. I can sort of live with that. Um, and I think it's, I think one of the things as well, about being injury prone, it, some players are just really unlucky in a, a certain space of time. Uh-huh. And they just mean, I mean, look at Craig Gordon. I know people don't like his talking about Craig Gordon anymore because he doesn't play for Celtic. Um, but you know, he was at the game for two full years, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's Injury. right, yeah. And he eventually came back and there was questions at the time. And then he, again, regardless of what people say, he was a great servant for Celtic. He'd done a good job. So, again, it all depends on the, the, the individual. I think it's quite a broad topic. If you talk about Mikey Johnson, what has his injury rate been like in Portugal? Is he I don't know. I, I don't know and I would be interested to know because apparently he's actually having... He's making quite a good go of it over there, and I wonder. I mean, this this is me speculating completely off the top of my head because if there's one thing I'm not, it's a regular viewer of Vittoria Guimaraes games. But I, I wonder. If, <laughs> believe me, I'm sure. I don't. I'm sure Colin will be watching them or something. I don't know, but um, I just wonder if perhaps knowing the little bit that I do about the game on the continent, whether the game there suits him better, whether he maybe gets a little bit more time on the ball, a little bit uh, less heavy challenges, um, and it's just a little bit less hectic. And that's not a, that's not me degrading the guy in any way. It's just people are built differently and maybe he's gone over there and thought, oh no, actually I can have a, I can have a good career and no be worried about somebody clattering into me every two seconds and actually like still be a footballer because I definitely think in his case, although you mentioned the the unfortunate timeline for some players, I think in his case he's definitely what you would call an injury prone player, certainly in Scotland anyway. And I'd just be interested, like you said, to know what his injury proneness is in a different environment because that's a huge factor how you assess people as well on it because mm-hmm. you know I mean look at me Dembele when he was there again people were, were crying out for him to start again I wasn't one of those people really um, and he anything he played if he got a tackle he was getting injured whereas mm-hmm. he looked really well in um, he's France now he? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's in France now so that league might suit him better it might be the way we train just as in certain players some people are like great trainers you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're maybe nearly naturally really fit and they're better on the park, but training is maybe a bit too intense and they, they pick up wee niggling things that doesn't help them. Some people, the other, the other thing I wondered about was um, the warmer weather. You know, there's a reason why we go to warm weather training camps. Maybe that I just, I, maybe that agrees with my, could, would agree with me better. Well, maybe not for running about for 90 minutes playing football, but. <laughs> I, I could I'll snap it about for 90 minutes doing anything so, so <laughs> that's and I don't know about I mean I'd love to see I'd love to play in one weather but I'd probably burst into flames like a vampire as soon as I stepped into the house 
Oh no, I don't. A wee peely, peely wally complexion, as my man says, probably wouldn't they? Hold up. Aye, I don't. I don't envy those players as as air conditions as the stadiums will be in Doha. I don't uh, envy them one bit. Try to uh, try to get ninety minutes out themselves, but we'll uh, hopefully see the best of it nonetheless. Um, looking ahead again at the at the games in a little bit more detail. I'm obviously Dundee United and Ross County are um, bottom of the bottom of the league, so hopefully you would think that. That victories over them would be relatively, relatively straightforward, especially with those two games being at home. Um, what kind of a, what kind of a, who do does mother will uh, give you having to go away to Fir Park like that? Is that a place that you are particularly anxious about, or have you got good memories of it from 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 years gone by? Yeah, so I'm just laughing at who do. It's such a good way to describe something. Or is it like <laughs> whenever I hear phrases like that, I forget. As soon as I see it, I think it's insane. I suppose that I say something on it, but somebody being clatty. I went, oh, they're clatty. And it's like, what? Just looking at what insane. Anyway, that's an aside, sorry. Um, but the United and Ross County. So I felt we'd have strolled through St Marin as well. Yeah, so well. there's all that element of, let's, let's just wait and see. Because on paper, it's, it's been proven this season already, Disney always work. In theory, we shouldn't have any problems. I think they they are kind of fighting the relegation battle already. Um, mm-hmm. I'm surprised at Ross County actually. I thought I thought they'd have, they'd have been all right. They were doing pretty decent last season. They, um, they seem to be one of these strange clubs that always give us bother, but other than that, seem to pre- pre- perform quite poorly. It's a strange one, but yeah, I was surprised to see when I was looking ahead that they are bottom of the table because, like like you say, anytime I've seen them, they've looked. As if they've been doing pretty decent, so it's it's a strange one. And then the United as well. It's like you know their their squad's pretty good, mm. but really underperformed. Um, so it could be the case. I mean, Stephen Fletcher, he's getting on, but he's still got a good player. Mm. And you know, free kicks into the box could always have a wee hiccup. So you always need to legislate for that. I do expect this to win, but uh, needs to give up the man bun. But I will. Aye, that's that's no great. Um, this might sound like the most sexist thing in the world, right? But as a fe- I, I know I don't have to have my hair long. I can cut it if I want. But social convention oh, is yeah. that women have long hair. Why, as a guy, would you want to have long hair? It's so much more difficult to look after. Like, I don't get that. I, I'll be honest. See, if I grew my hair long, I'd look like uh, Warwick Davis and Willow, right? <laughs> I would just, I'd, I'd look insane. So it's the only reason because I'd love to have big phone locks and, and be all cracking and, and continental looking, but sadly it's not for me. Um, I always look at it. I remember Pilo was one of my all-time favourite players. Oh my God, what a guy. What a guy, right? He, what I would describe as stoting hair, right? It was yeah. absolutely top draw. Um, but he could pull it off because he was a big Italian footballer. If I was walking to the shops with my hair like that, chances are that something terrible would happen. So um, I, I think each to their own with that. Case. Some some people really rock it. Some people some people not. Pirlo is one of those ones I would happily, if anybody wants to get me a secret Santa, get me a, a calendar of just Pirlo for twelve months. Like you know how like Cliff Richard washing the washing the headlamps on a massive car or something like that. Just do swap Cliff Richard <laughs> for Pirlo. And I'm I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're the appeal of when your agent's watching this, you may have got a good washing headlights and cars. Um, I don't know. If it, <laughs> I'm not sure where the Cliff Richard thing came from. That probably says more about you than it does about him. To be honest. No, I, I have a weirdly specific knowledge of Cliff Richard calendars because my <laughs> my brother gets it as a joke for my mum every Christmas because she despises Cliff Richard. But we'll not go into that. <laughs> anyway. That's- that's fair. Back Cliff to the calendars aside. <laughs> Cliff Richard calendars aside. Um, listen, I am. I, I've been trying to look at the context of the rest of this season, based on the fact that, like you said, we're not in Europe anymore. Um, we're we're hopefully going to have a relatively clean run at the second half of the season, as are Rangers because of their performance in Europe as well. <sighs> Do you, is that going to be a, a help or a hindrance to us, do you think? Because you know how th- there's always conversations about 
momentum and, and keeping up momentum and keeping winning games and it becoming a habit? Um, or do you think it'll actually help us to have a little bit more free time given the intensity of what Ange likes to do on the training pitch and stuff like that? So I suppose that there's two ways of looking at it. I, I mean, I don't think, regardless of what happens across the city, it affects how we go about our business. But in terms of maybe how they're going to be, in theory, you would think, you know, a, a team like, like theirs would, haven't been battered in Europe, would mm. want to prove a point and get riled up and try and go for glory. But there's real question marks over their mentality. I mean, you mm. go for the Europa League final to the worst Champions League team ever in the space of months. I mean, that's it's quite damning. Um, of course, you can never write them off. And if you do that, you're always going to get a slap. But I think that you just you just power on. And I think, you know, you saw the improvement from, from January to <clears throat> the end of the season last season. We just got better as I went on. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, you know, Ange, I don't know how he does it or what the plan is, but he's always said we will get better as the, the season goes on. So if you look at that in the context of this season, it's frightening to think oh, it's improving domestically because domestically, against St Mirren aside, we've, we've looked very comfortable. Yeah. We, we, we have, and I think if we keep getting better, it doesn't really matter what anyone else does. Um, of course, if they have an absolute collapse, which, you know, it's not really, it's really interesting what they're going to do because you, you don't know what, what version is going to appear, but um, if, if they have the collapse, then obviously it makes it easier for us. But I, I think um, I think Angie and the squad thrive in the challenge, and I think they want to just keep doing it. And I think they'd be thinking, right, we, we know we can do this domestically, but how do we keep going to the point where we're prepared for for next season? How do we get mm-hmm. those energy levels better? How do we keep that intensity for full ninety minutes all the time when we've got the ball? Because that's a harder test. You know, if you if you got the ball for you know seventy percent in the game, you're not running as much, so it's yeah. easier to press. When you don't have it, it's harder. So they're going to have to find a way of building those reserves so when it does happen, they can do it. Um, so I, I don't want to say it's going to be a straightforward entry season because I've always got that horrible fear we, we don't win the league or it goes wrong, but I'm so confident that we're going to do well. I just think Angie's programmed the players to such a, a strong winning mentality. Um, and I think at bravery as well, I think, you know, one of the things that I never mentioned, but in Europe, although we get beat, we were very brave in the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't think the players had. I don't think I recall a game, and somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, where the players looked as if they were hiding or they wanted to want to pass or they gave up the goal. They were playing and they were playing their football. And that's a, a massive, massive bonus to their character. Well, that was, a- that, was, that was another thing I wanted to ask you about because <clears throat> we were having a discussion during the games um, talking about the fact that, you know, if you're going to lose to Real Madrid anyway... I personally would rather lose 5-1 having really given it a go than lose... You go down swinging. There's no point in standing there and, and getting a tanking and yeah. hiding, for, hiding for 90 minutes and then they score anyway. Yeah. You're not doing it. What are you learning from that? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Is it naive to take that approach, do you think? Is Ange being naive apparently not changing his, his, his stance or do you think that's something as Celtic supporters we just have to get behind and we get as far as we get with it so it depends it depends again how you look at it if you are model right and you try to play that way and you go that all attacking you know you're probably going to get battered if you come to Celtic Park right mm. but the players are only ever going to improve if they keep doing it and the chance that if they sit in they're going to get battered so you apply that logic to us in Europe Mm. If we could, if if sitting behind the ball, turning behind the ball and hoping to ring out a victory, we'd guarantee you a victory. We'd win the Champions League doing it. Yeah. If they would do it, right? But it doesn't. Well, it gives you the better chance of victory is scoring more goals in the opposition, which I know seems like a really stupid, obvious thing to say. But the only way you're going to do that is to be attacking. You're not going to do yeah. that by defending and hope you get a chance because you're always likely to concede. No, and also, given that given the way we've been so wasteful with chances, I wouldn't like us to switch to a method that reduces the number of chances we get because correct. we're not going to take the ones we get then. Especially when you consider that sort of mode of playing, user relies on a set piece, mm. you know, big strikers, that kind of thing. And I was having a conversation with the other night about it with um, Big Eddie. Big Eddie, if you're <laughs> watching. Um, 
And he was talking about the, the Barcelona game, the famous one, when we beat them 2 1. And it's back to the wall. And it was an amazing night, and everybody remembers it. But neither remembers the performance, you remember the result. Yeah. But you also remember that we never done it in that season. Yeah. You know, so, so you get these results in isolation, it's great. But did we improve as players? No. No, and if you look at the lineup, it's not a lineup that you would ever say was full of Celtic greats. I think we had Miku and Lasad on the pitch at some point that night. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, so the the result, I mean, the result was something to remember forever. It, mm. it will be, and it was amazing. Like, I'm not discounting any of it, but the point is, you know, if we played that way and we go to, you know, the last stages of Champions League playing that way, you would say, right, that's probably how we need to do it. But we played that way a bunch of times and we occasionally got a result. That's no progress. The only way we're going to get progress is, is and I think it's it's the way, it's not just about Ange, it's about how we're playing and how I think we need to play. And the better we get at that and the more we play that way. And I know no one likes comparing it, but if you look at Ajax, they've been playing the same way for 60 years. And mm. that's why they can get a guy at 19 and just pluck him straight in because he knows how they're going to play. Everyone knows how they're going to play. And they do that all the time and they get better and better and better. Salzburg are the same. Um, like the guy that's in charge of Leipzig was in charge of Salzburg when they beat us. And mm. they beat us family under Brendan Rodgers. 51 minutes, Brendan Rodgers collection. But <laughs> it's that idea of progress is better. And again, it's I, I, I defy anybody to tell me that any of those games weren't entertaining to watch. Like the two games against uh, Leipzig were brilliant to watch. Yeah. Right, the result didn't go away, but they were great games of football. They really were. I'm also pretty pre- convinced Leipzig are going to give somebody a fright in the in the round of 16 as well. They're looking excellent. They're looking excellent. I see their, their, their gaffers uh, tremendous. I wanted them for a safety job after Rodgers, actually, but um, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, again, I think you're always right. It's always good to be brave and see how you go on. And if you're going to get beat, you know, there's no point in, um, in, in sort of whimpering out. You just go in there, swing, swing, for, it, swing for the wind, Hope you hope you hope you land, um, but to cower in the corner and just take a do and hope you get one lucky punch. It's not good to anybody. So so I, I totally agree with the approach and yeah. Again and again, it keeps coming back to it. I know we keep talking about it, but if a chance would have felt is if we'd have converted a wee bit better, who knows where mm-hmm. we'd have been? Yeah, and, and I, I that's that's one of the, the fact we're creating chances and playing well is more important than maybe not more important than results in the, the long term, but certainly at this stage. In a sort of European development, I think it's it's fair. One of the one of the things I spoke to Paul John about on, on the match coverage the other night, a point that I made was, you know, we we've all talked about this bravery and uh, uh, and coming out swinging and all that, which I think is great against the big superpowers, against the Real Madrids of the world. But where I think we can have an impact and where we should be aiming to have an impact is against your Shakhtar's and those types who are still a little bit ahead of us, but but are reachable. How far away from that kind of a level do you think we are? Or does that go back to the discussion we were having at the start of the show about being regularly in the Champions League? Is that what we need to, to, to match those types of teams? So the latter part of your answer is, 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 is right in that. We need to keep being in progress to get there. But in terms of Shakhtar specifically... The, the difference between the team was a couple of goals. And one very special player as well. I, I mean, we, we should have won both those games. Mm. That, so that's a wee bit of disappointment. But again, it, it's the same story. It's just a bit more clinical. We'd have got it. So if we're in this position next year against a team like that, I would expect more. Um, and again, you see that the boy Madrid is, is sensational. You know, it, it's, it's funny. Like I can't remember the last time it happened, but it's one of those situations where... You're gutted, but you also feel as if you're witnessing the birth of a superstar. Like there'll be people who don't know about him yet because they've not faced him, and 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 are going to come up against him in the next eighteen months or two years, and we'll be like, ah, yeah, he tore us apart at Celtic Park two years ago, and we knew then. That's the kind of thing I think he's he's about. I could see him being massive um, in the years to come. Yeah, definitely. But what what we have to hope for is that. We start either producing players like that or mm. signing guys at 19, 20 and playing them. Because I think it's real that the, not going to negative, not on a Friday because it's Friday and that's not the crack. But I think 
one of the things we should be doing with this player model of sending younger players and developing them is great, but we say at 23, 24, they're not that young, they're not going to get that much better. You no. want to move, but you've got a limited window, and then you have them three years and then they want a big move somewhere else because they're getting towards their 30s. Yeah. So you have to be seeing guys at 18 looking to play them, I think, 18, 19. No, you can't have a full team like that, right? But you've got, you're, you're spinning the team and then sending these really talented guys around it because that guy, mudrick has been playing for them for, I think, three years. And he's only mm-hmm. just turned 21. So That's when you say develop. And, and, and we need to be better at that as a, as a club, whether it's transfers or... Some of the, I know the youngsters are never a great standard at the moment, but over the coming years, I think that's a kind of long-term vision for us. So I hope that at some point, even if we're maybe kind of been about the group stage, last stage, Europa League, wherever we get to in our European progression, every season or two, we can suddenly can be signed for us and go, oh, there's a superstar. There's X amount of money. Remember, he was at Celtic. And that's that's the type of thing I'd like to see for us as well. Yeah, Um th- it's, it's an interesting point that you raise as well about this um, identifying young players and, uh, and 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 trying to keep a hold of them. It, it, it was something I actually said on the on the bulletin um, last week, I think, as well. This this idea that instead of becoming a club where they are a stepping stone and we we turn over these players as quickly as we do, what I would like to see is for us to hold on to them for a few more years just to give us a chance to have a real assault on the Champions League with top quality players of the likes of Jota, of the likes of Van Dijk back in the day, of the likes of O'Reilly and Hatati, that that we keep them for a little bit longer before they move on to, to bigger and better things. Is that realistic or is it just the nature of the beast with us that we're we're going to have to make do with what we have? Uh, yes and no. Again, it goes back to the, the previous point there. If they're here younger and they're playing week in, week out at 18 or 19, they're more inclined to stay till they're 21, maybe 22, mm. get, you know, three or four good years at them and then go on. But if you get them at 25, 26 and, you know, they've got a chance to go into like a, not a bigger club, but certainly a richer one, mm. they're less likely to stay, right? So Matt O'Reilly, who I think is going to be a, a, a superstar, he might stay for another full season next season. Yeah. He's only 21. You might think, well, just let's go on our Champions League run and see where I'm at. And if I need to develop, he can go somewhere at 22 and he's, you know, so 14-year career left. Or even you look at the timeline of, of Greg Taylor, I sometimes forget just how young he still is. I mean, we've had him for a good three years at this point and he's only, I think, 25 now. I mean, if we could identify players and, and, and have them in that bracket at the time, then it might be a bit more useful to us. I think like I think you say... The, the player profile as well, Laura, because if you get guys like Greg Taylor, he's been excellent for us this season, so I, I promise this isn't a dig, but he's unlikely to get a massive move, probably, right? Yeah. If we're honest, he, he's, he's been excellent for us. He absolutely has, and he shut a lot of people up, and that... that Super proud of him. But guys like him, like Cal McGregor won't go. James Forrest, as good as he's been for us, was never really up for a big move. There's certain players that probably won't move. Mm. It's just that the certain key individuals that you know when you get in, we're not going to have this guy along. I think Neil Lennon said when he, after I think the first or second training session with Van Dyke, he just said, this guy's not going to be here you know, yeah. for very long because he's too good. And you get these guys in, and if you've got a core squad like, as I say, Greg Taylor's, Carmen Riggers, Carl Vickers, Ralston's, etc., and then you surround them with sort of younger, you know, potential superstars, if you're selling them regularly and building them in, there's still coherency in the squad. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, if we can get them in a bit younger, we get more time with them just by extension. But we start buying guys at 23, 24, you're never going to get long because chances are if they're good enough, they're going to go for big money. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, to close out the show, um, we've obviously got uh, the match tomorrow against Dundee United, Celtic Park, three o'clock kickoff against one of the teams uh, at the bottom of the table. Um, what kind of scoreline are you looking for? Um, how do you think we'll go on tomorrow? Well, we scored nine against them last time, so it's nice to get ten. But um, the clamour for for the number ten is is cost us in the past, so. I'll just say um, I'll go with I'll go with four 0 Excellent. I would like to see a a four 0 and a a nice spread of the scorers would be good. Uh, just because I like- a nice spread, I'm going to go away and look at my Cliff Richards calendars. I think. 
before you do that, I want to end on this really positive note from Lawrence McNeil. Uh, there is no way a Scottish team can compete regularly in Europe. If they did, they would be picked apart by bigger, richer teams and the manager would probably leave. Have to accept it. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed that one. Um, we shall see you next week. Brian, thank you very much. And please join us for the match coverage over the weekend, as always. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.